0: and welcome everybody to another smart money circle show i'm adam sarhan with us today is the first in the smart money circle history we have the ceo of build a bear and the cfo of build a bear sharon and voin welcome to the show i'm very excited for today
1: thank you you.
0: so um before we begin one of my companies just full disclosure has a relationship with build a bear i am a big fan i am a big build a bear owner myself i take my kids there we've got many happy friends that want to say hello. So I want to thank you for a lifetime of memory, wonderful memories for my family because it's been absolutely fantastic. So a lot's happened in the last few years with Build-A-Bear. Sharon, can you please uh, tell us what's happening and what's going on?
1: Well, there has been a lot happening. Uh, And just to level set, you know, the company's been around for 25 years now and Boyne and I came uh, about nine, 10 years ago Um, And, you know, during that time of the last decade, there have been a lot of changes in the the environment, you know, the economic environment with, you know, just the shifts in digital, the digital economy or mall traffic, or for us, uh, Europe, where where we have a presence in Europe, particularly in the UK, Brexit, you know, lots of of ups and downs, but most notably, uh, one of the things that I the whole world went through was uh, some of the challenges associated with covid. But through that time, under the underlying promise of build a bear, much of alluded to of making memories that retail side of us it's an interactive destination where, you know, kids and kids at heart can really personalize uh, their own furry friends. But um that that was the crux of uh, the beginning of who we are as a brand. but those last 10 years, even though we were um, evolving as a company uh, from the retail side and returning the organization to profitability, we were also changing fundamentally who we were as a company and, and recognizing the power of our brand. We were literally pivoting the company through infrastructure, digital digital transformation, um, brand marketing, entertainment, content creation to be more relevant uh, in today's marketplace. That is really, though, in so many ways, just an extension of being able to create that emotional connection, which leads back to our mission statement of adding a little more heart to life. Now, through our 500 stores globally, we have international franchises as well. And all of these other um, revenue streams, including a much more robust e-commerce business, expanded consumer market, uh, addressable market with 40% of our sales to teens and adults and a lot of content now, some available with Honey Girls as an example, our own intellectual property on Netflix and some exciting things that are in the pipeline from a documentary that'll be out later this year, as well as our Merry Mission animated film. We're we're just a, a much more diversified, robust company and all of that work has led to two of the mo- two of the most profitable years in our history. So 2021 coming out of the covid year of 2020 was the most profitable year in our in our history followed by 2022 eclipsing that year for profitability. So very very exciting journey, different company now, big opportunities, we believe a uh, voice for the future in new and different ways.
0: And that's absolutely fantastic. Um can you tell us a little about your backgrounds. And I love the brand value. That's really, really powerful. I'd love to know some of your backgrounds, if that's okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm you'll start and then I'll add on.
2: Uh, sure. So um, I spent, as Sharon mentioned, the last nine, 10 years with Sharon working together in different capacities. Both of us worked uh, before Build-A-Bear at StrideRide uh, Children's Group brand. And I also spent some time uh, in the footwear industry, with a variety of different brands, that I think are well positioned as for some of the successes and things that we have done here collectively. You know, I started my career almost twenty five years ago with Palace Shoe Stores, where I learned a lot about just the efficiencies. Palace used to run over five thousand stores at that point in time, so really managing all the. Detail stuff, the P&L, and understanding how that stuff worked was really helpful as we came here. In addition to that, once Payless acquired StrideRite Corporation, I moved to Boston where Sharon and I met and really worked from the brand development and worked with some of the best-in-class footwear brands like Spirit, Upsider, and Saucony. And so, really having this strong background from the value preservation that I learned through years at Payless to value creation years at StrideRite. And I think that background really helped us, you know, collectively achieve some of the stuff in addition with all the experience that Sharon's bringing from uh, her toy, um, toy years.
1: Yep. So, and um, that's a great transition. I I did uh, start in uh, advertising, advertising and marketing in New York City, a uh, you know, big global agency there and confections. Um, and then um, after getting an MBA, I uh, went to work for Mattel. Um, which was the number one uh, toy company at the time, worked on Barbie and the Disney business, transitioned eventually to um, Hasbro, yeah, the, the sort of rival of Mattel. So East, you know, West Coast, East Coast kind of experience, Mattel being located in Los Angeles and, and Hasbro in Rhode Island. But there worked on um, a wide variety of household brands, from uh, Nerf to Super Soaker to My Little Pony, Littlest Pet Shop, uh, the Marvel Superhero, Star Wars, G.I. Joe. I ran the U.S. toy division, so I had very broad scope. Um, and all through that time frame, um, Hasbro was actually pivoting in a very similar way to what we envisioned from for a pivot for Build-A-Bear, in that Hasbro was, uh, was shifting from a toy company that happened to have a lot of Valuable known intellectual property to an intellectual property company that just happened to make toys. And the big, the big transitional moment for that was the Transformers movie, um, right. that broke all sorts of records and sort of proved the point that you can start intellectual property and stretch across a lot of categorical areas. As well as a lot of consumer um, consumer bases um, with something that began as um, you know a, a plastic toy, uh, and but it creates memories and emotional connection. And when you become multi generational, you can transition that energy, that power, that brand equity, and monetize it in different ways. So I learned that firsthand by being the head of the Transformers business during that time frame very wow. insightful for me um, and gave me a lot of uh, uh I would suppose uh, tenacity and confidence in the ability to take that brand equity that's so rich for for build a bear and transition it and after that I didn't I did go to StrideWrite right and that's where I learned uh the vertical retail business. Um, because at uh, Hasbro and Mattel and other toy companies that I worked at for years, you know, clearly most of our business is done through big box. We're big wholesalers. So that vertical business was important. But I already knew the cut and stitch business, the, the, the import business, because I worked on Barbie fashions years and I years know. ago. So a lot, lot of cut and stitch, a lot of uh, cost reduction. And Boyne made a terrific point about that transition of, the preservation of value to the creation of value. And that was one of the reasons why um, we I was in a non-solicit, but a year and a day after being at Build-A-Bear, I called Voin and I said, I, I really would love you to join me here as the CFO because Voin is, is so good at that value creation piece. Um, there's one side of accounting finance where you're counting the money. It's another where you're thinking about how to create money. And Voin's a great partner when it comes to thinking out of the box, thinking about the future, thinking about um, the evolution of an organization, not just the the reporting piece. Um, That's the past. We have to think about the future, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I've had the pleasure of meeting both of you and you have fantastic chemistry, almost like lightning in a bottle at the New York Stock Exchange. And we had an investor uh, meeting there. And I have to tell you, the synergy is just absolutely fantastic. And I love the story, if you don't mind sharing it when you were up ringing the bell and Boyne had to help you with the furry friend, if you wanna share that.
1: Yeah, so that was, (laughs) um, we're so fortunate. First, of course, uh, you you mentioning we were traded on the New York Stock Exchange, BBW is our ticker. Um, And as a toy company um, and a furry friend company and something that evokes so much uh, joy, we're asked uh quite often to ring the bell during the uh, Christmas tree lighting ceremony at the New York Stock Exchange. This happened to be uh a time when it coincided with our um our third quarter reporting. Um and so afterwards I was, you know, went to the podium and my PR team had. It You know, that kind of like there's that meme out there is you had one thing to do and I failed to do, yeah. which was to take the teddy bear up on the podium because who they wouldn't know who no one would know who I was. You know, this is on national television. I'm just like, hey, you know, with no Build-A-Bear logo or anything. And we had given out, as we often do, uh, teddy bears to the traders that day. And I realized up on the podium when the countdown had started that I didn't have my teddy bear. And I could see Voin, he's 6'6", six, six, so he's not hard to find in that That's sea right. of people that are <laughs> clapping and cheering. And I'm yell, yelling down, Voin, throw me a teddy bear, throw me a teddy bear. And this is actually caught on film of that teddy bear flying through the air and me catching it right before the bell starts ringing. It became a really epic moment for us.
0: Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so you both have storied careers. Sharon, if I understand properly, you joined Bilderberg first. You waited for that Nonsense to finish. Then you asked Boyne to join. Can you tell us about Bilderberg's history since you joined, please?
1: Yes. So when I joined in 2013, we were uh, in, um, in need of a turnaround. Um, the company had been contracting, losing money for eight consecutive years. Um, we lost $49 million in, in 2012, the year before I started. Um, so we had some work to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big believer, as in, as is Voin, that um, in a turnaround situation, which we had been together on StrideWrite, Um, the first thing to do is focus on returning to profitability. Um, If you can coincide that with the creation of infrastructure to get to the new strategy, um, that's great. But the first thing to do is return to profitability. So we had a very robust playbook on that because, again, we had just gone through a vertical retailer where that needed to happen we pulled a lot of uh, pages from that playbook and we were able to return to profitability pretty quickly and consecutive years of profitability, four consecutive years of profitability. Um, And at that same time, we realized that we needed to, as I mentioned before, participate boldly in the digital economy, right? Mm -hmm. Recognize that we were coming upon at that time, our 20th anniversary, which is generally that multi-generational pivot where companies either turn it into a flywheel or they lose relevance. Um, And we had to prepare ourselves for those moments. Interestingly, the overlap of the need to build our business in the digital economy when we were known as an experiential retailer, that was a big chasm. There weren't a lot of people that believed we could jump that chasm, right? Like how will you ever manifest in an internet environment when everything you're known for is about that one-to-one personalized experience in a physical environment. Um, But the unlock happened to be with the fact that we had these older consumers that were now ready to come back to Build-A-Bear. We had such ingrained memories People remember when they went to Build-A-Bear as a child. They can walk you through everything about it. They often keep those teddy bears for the rest of their lives. Sometimes they have personalized messages from a loved one inside of these teddy bears. So um, when we started creating licenses that were more collectible, more affinity-based, focused on, on attracting that older consumer, we really did start to unlock some, some value that was just heretofore had not been really mined. And that consumer wanted to shop online first. So that was the catalyst for us to really grow that business. When we came, I think when you came to Build the Bear, the the online business was only about 4% of our total sales. And now it's been up to 20 and now it fluctuates between 15 and 20, depending on the product and the the offerings. Um, But that's a very robust piece of business for us in the digital economy where that practically just didn't exist before. We also realized that we had to change the footprint of retail. Mm-hmm. there was uh, also interestingly a lot of encouragement and and chatter that we needed to completely shut down the retail side because of these dramatic experiences out there in the you know in the economy like the the retail apocalypse you know <laughs> things like that and the truth is um mall traffic according to some of the data that we we have seen um dropped a, a cum of about 50% through the, a six year period of our turnaround. That's very, very difficult um, for any retailer, particularly when you over amp in the physical experience. But what we discovered, just this is just pure strategic, tenacious insight, is that the basis, the underlying construct of the success of Build-A-Bear wasn't not about it being in a mall. It was about it being where Families and kids go for fun and entertainment and memory making. And that had just changed. Build-A-Bear hadn't changed. The desire to go to Build-A-Bear hadn't changed. The desire for families to have experiences together hadn't changed. That just evolved. So we had to evolve. And we evolved to go to more tourist locations and destinations and started partnering with everything from Carnival Cruise Line to Great Wolf Lodge unlocking value by going where the guest, our eventual guests, our profile of guests has shifted their tendency to go with their families. Um, and so that was a major unlock for us. At the time, 85% of our sales, or of our stores rather, were in traditional malls. Um, mm-hmm. And now that's been significantly shifted. Um, So so. now it's about 65%. So we're much more diversified from a retail footprint perspective, much more diversified from physical to to digital. And we've also built out into new categories um, with outbound licensing, everything from bikes to pet toys. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, you know, getting more and more into content, because when, if you strip away really what we mean as much as, we were represented in the physical aspect of a furry friend. We mean love, hugs, and memories. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of ways to translate that inclusive of heartfelt content.
0: I absolutely love that. And I could tell you from my own experience, when I first went to Build-A-Bird, before we even met years years and years ago, my mother, had have young kids took my daughter and my son at the time and she bought them the very first builder bear we ever got was a batman for my son and then my daughter she bought her a bear and they absolutely loved it and that's a kitty
1: cat adam just i
0: I have to yeah it's a kitty cat I (laughs) I, I, i call them all bears but they're not just, I know, you know, about, I, I know yeah. these
1: things. Yeah, it's okay. I appreciate
0: <laughs> it. I call this a bear as well. And I know it's Bowser from the new Mario movie. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm very, But very... You,
1: you know, what's so interesting about that is you are speaking in um, consumer speak that right. and that was a big unlock for us as well. As a matter of fact, it was that when people go to build a bear, they call them. They're, they're Build-A-Bears. It's like one big word. My, my Build-A-Bear cat, my Build-A-Bear Batman, my Build-A-Bear, you know, Bowser. It's always in front of it. And it was that, that was a trigger for us to learn, to separate the place from the brand, which was a big strategic unlock. So we created a brand mark that was just Build-A-Bear established 1997. And that houses all the other um, revenue streams. And then the workshop, Build-A-Bear workshop became the place so that our organization would stop thinking just as a retailer and thinking as a bigger company.
0: Yeah, I love that. So let's have that investor speak, because I, I, this is the whole point of what we're doing here is to be able to take what you're doing and translate it. So let's talk about growth going forward for the brand. Can you please, I mean, the TAM, the total addressable market is fantastic. You've got multiple generations, you've got the entertainment, you've got the retail, you've got the online experience as licensing. Can you speak about the growth from here, please?
1: Yeah I want to hand that one to Voin on the specifics but there are one big sector that I haven't mentioned which is gifting mm-hmm. um and build there is a highly desired gift it's highly desired to both give because um you feel so good when you give something that personalized you picked it out you you maybe put your voice in it you put the heart you went through the heart ceremony thinking of the person that you're going to give the gift to. We've built out that sector on our website. We have things like Heartbox and all sorts of giftables. And we've also opened microsites on the website, including the Bear Cave to find sort of a gift for adult to adult, inclu- including Build-A-Bear After Dark, which is really, really fun. We have a growing Valentine's business. But that gifting sector is you know a multi-hundred billion dollar uh, category um and we are in the early stages but um have uh have done research that that uh the feedback is very promising on where we can go with that but have a lot of places to grow and we just hadn't mentioned that um you know from the gifting and affinities piece but I will hand it over to you for our future sure. prospects
2: before I start talking about the future like let me just go back a little bit in the past and talk about some of the things because I think it's important to really reference and show what we have been able to accomplish because that's the foundation for the future. And one of those things that really attracted me when coming to Build a Bear is, you know, Sharon does this tremendous job of setting up the strategy and vision for the brand and for a company. And, you know, so really executing on some of those things. And again, almost a decade later, we are very proud of the accomplishments that we have made so far. And even some of the things that we have shared during the, during our tenure here, our merchandise margins, for example, expanded over 1,000 basis points. And again, this is something that hasn't happened in any given year. I mean, but it was just this sustained improvement and focus on continuous improvement uh, across the board, all the way from our supply chain sourcing activities to pricing and everything that we do day in and day out. So it's a big team effort to accomplish these things on a consecutive basis and to continue to drive these results. At the same time, our four-wall store profitability when we got here, it was less than 10% on average basis. Now it's over 25% of average. Well done. So th- these are some really you know, strong numbers. And, you know, we are very pleased on everything that we can do collectively, both from the merchandise margin, also uh, managing our real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. Think about we had to deal with a lot of challenges from retail apocalypse that Sharon talked about, COVID. During COVID times, we had to renegotiate every single lease in a matter of three months. Mm-hmm. That's typical work that we do over four or five years time frame. And, you know, like really working with landlords because we believe we are part of a solution for more traffic versus part of the problem. So we continue to do all these things consistently and consi- consistently well, that's in line with our strategy. In addition to that, Sharon also mentioned our web business. It was in single digits when we got here, it's like 15 to 20%. And again, as the stores continue to perform better, you know, like, you know, that, uh, web business has to continue to really work that much harder, and in addition to that, you know we spent significant amount of time really focusing on profitability and things that are gonna help us return back to profitability and continue to generate free cash flow for the organization. But at the same time, we were making investments for the future that we expect to start paying dividends as we move forward. So. Mm-hmm. As we look forward, you know, we provided our guidance even for 2023 fiscal year. After two consecutive record years, we are expecting this year on a full year uh, on a full year basis our total revenue to grow five to seven percent. We just reaffirmed our guidance after the Q1 results. We expect our pre-tax income to be again a record, uh, 10 to 15 percent growth in pre-tax compared to prior year, and you know we are expecting to open. Uh, additional 20 to 30 locations, combination of our company owned or third party retail locations that are very asset light. And, you know, we believe that we are not saturated from the store count perspective, both domestically or internationally. And we continue to be in more places where people go for fun and entertainment. Um, and, you know, definitely we like this asset light model. In addition to that, as we think about future and, you know, like maybe Shane's gonna talk about it in a little bit more detail later from the entertainment perspective. And she mentioned we have, we are super excited about the Merry Mission movie that's coming out, animated feature, this uh, Q4. And, you know, this, this has been one of those properties that was created in early years when we got here, 2014, 15, And, you know, like now seeing it to be uh, on a big screen, it's something that we are super excited about. That property over lifetime created, generated over hundred million dollars in revenue. And when you really think about that property is in our stores for only last couple of months of the year, November and December around holidays, it's that much more impressive. And, you know, we continue to make these investments from digital perspective, to continue to leverage technology to help us communicate to our guests, to build our loyalty program, because we believe that's all foundation for the work that's ahead of us. And you know, we have delivered some of these great results. We have strong cash flows that we are generating, but I think more exciting things are ahead of us.
1: Yeah, and on that, that retail front, um, just to reiterate, um, in 2013, um, it was a meaningful number of our stores that were unprofitable uh, and we're now 25%. 25% of our stores were actually unprofitable uh, and now it's we don't have them there's virtually none we're virtually 100% of our retail locations are are now profitable and Voyn mentioned that important part about not only evolving the footprint to different places but the growth of the footprint we we fielded some research recently um, where the one of the top reasons why someone doesn't come to a Build-A-Bear is because they don't have one nearby.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> that, because we have, we've actually grown our brand awareness even, and it was a really, it was already an iconic property. And in the last research round that we did, we're now an, an aided brand awareness of 95%. And But 40% of people are not within a 30-minute drive of Build-A-Bear. So when Point says we're not overstored, we're nowhere near. Plus, there's a big desire. And there was an an interesting and very uh, favorable outcome of shifting toward this tourist strategy is that we ended up being where families go. And they had such a great experience that when they go back home, they want to go to Build-A-Bear and have a birthday party, but we didn't realize how strong that desire would be, and that now we need to be, you know, back in some a bit of a strategy of being back in some more localized areas uh, to meet that community need. Um, and so, when we're talking about this footprint growth, it's very data-driven for us to make those decisions.
0: No, I love that. I have. I'm looking for. I don't have it on me, but what you're talking about with the retail light downtown disney in orlando there's a, in the dino st- restaurant there's a small piece of it that's carved yeah. out which is a build-a-bear store where i have a dino build-a-bear just i don't know where it is. I is it doesn't they're all over the house we got dozens, dozens and He's dozens and dozens i mean they're, they're all <laughs> yeah. over the place um but anyway there's a big dinosaur type Build-A-Bear that we made down there visiting disney during christmas during the holidays and that is what you mean by a retail light location yes, where you're-
1: that's a, that is exactly what it is that's an actually a relation long-term relationship with landry's restaurants yeah. and you know we created a, a sub-brand called build a dino there and it's been there for quite a few years very very popular very successful location wonderful
0: so thank you for that. Now, all of that, of course, is going to drive a lot of traffic back to your stores. Back in 2021, you said you'd open 20 to 30 stores over the next three years. And then in Q4 of 22, your guidance was to open 20 to 30 stores in 2022 alone. Uh, what happened?
2: I mean, we continue to you know be really focused on growing our store count because when you have these numbers that we are able to deliver 25% formal contribution, you know why wouldn't you open more stores? You know Our payback, it's... You know between one year to two years depending on the concept our uh, real estate teams have done a really phenomenal job of being able to create experiences in variety of different locations we can have locations all the way from cardinal cruise line to grateful lodges to landry's restaurant to our traditional stores we have locations from 200 square feet to ten thousand square foot locations that are all profitable. So we believe based on some of this data that Sharon uh, shared that, you know, there is more room for us to uh, grow. And, you know, we continue to stay focused. Uh, Again, from my role, you know, managing the capital, you know, from the company perspective, definitely this capital asset-like locations like what we have with Landry's, you know, give us more flexibility to open more stores faster. It's less capital intensity. And still as a customer, it's, uh, Indifferent, you know, they still come to build and they can get a full experience and, you know, our goal is really to be in more locations and that's what we are trying to do and this year, as we mentioned, we expect to add 20 to 30 locations. We just signed uh, more recently uh, a deal with Kalahari uh, Parks and, you know, we are going to have four stores with Kalahari and, you know, more exciting things to come to share uh, throughout the year. Um, to achieve those goals,
1: that creativity when it comes to our stores and our store build-out um, team and, and all the different approaches to the fixtures has been a big unlock. Um, for the first 15 years of the company, there were was a basic footprint, which was pretty typical for a mall-based retailer, um, and that was started in the 90s. Um, but the, the model needed to be kind of broken apart and rethought. And so now we have, you know, concourse shops that are out in the middle of them all. We have mm-hmm. automatic teddy machines, which are v- literally teddy bear vending machines that are in airports. Oh, we sure. have really, ATM, really ATMs. They're called ATMs, automatic teddy machines. And, you know, and we, we pushed all of these things through a filter of being brand right? Uh, those those t- automatic I machines mean, actually speak to the guest, um, you know, and they uh, at the very end, the the bear actually makes a noise when he goes through the thing. It's like a wee noise and ends up and says open here for hugs. You know, so there's everything that we do. We try to bring that little more heart-to-life mission, but that's true as we're rolling out now in Six Flags, we're in, you know, um, water, other water parks, we're in Cedar Fair, um, and it's just so many opportunities now bubbling up from the Pro Football Hall of Fame to, which we're also in, to the mascot, like the mascot Hall of Fame. Like, so, you know, Build-A-Bear is well-known and is beloved. And a lot of these partners recognize that we bring something special that's very difficult to replicate.
2: You want to share the space story too?
1: Oh, oh, well, in fact, this was uh, not one of the things that, and I'm pretty bold about what I'll put on our list of things to do, (laughs) our, our goals to achieve. But Bill DeBear was also invited just recently with um, Axiom SpaceX to be the zero G indicator uh, for the the flight into space. And so we created a special teddy bear and named it GG because of the zero G indicator aspect that when they hit zero G they usually let something fly to kind of prove the point. And this last most recent flight, um, it was um, a, a Build-A-Bear. A little bitty shrunk down Build-A-Bear because um, Space is a premium in space yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, that's now yeah. available um, in the very special SpaceX uh, that was uniform that was under really high security. We were um, I don't know what kind of uh, what what kind of um, security sure, clearances. clearances we needed to to have access to that to make a teddy bear version, but uh, but we got it done.
0: You know, this one makes a lot of sense. It, it leads to the record numbers and a lot of growth going forward. And thats uh, you don't need a lot of capital to open those stores, if I understand mm-hmm. correctly, and I hear you properly. And the margins are, are really high because there's existing traffic and you don't have to worry about mall traffic and all that fun stuff, plus the online, plus the uh, entertainment. So let's speak about the online component a little bit. Can you share a little about that strategy and, and growth going forward?
2: Sure. You know, I can start and maybe, you know, Sharon can add some more. Uh, but definitely, you know, as we think about online business, we believe that's a big opportunity for us, especially in gifting arena. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about like our ability and in investments to uh, in technology to really better understand our guests and have uh, different journeys through the platforms that we are creating that we can market and communicate to them in uh a more constructive way I think it's a big benefit for us we have enormous de- database uh, first-party data uh, that we are leveraging to directly communicate to our guests and so we believe that you know our gifting business can be more than just plush and you'll be know, being you know dabbling in some of those arenas you know with different products you know we are still doing some testings and learnings uh, based on what what can be out there, but definitely we believe this is an opportunity uh, that could be you know many times the size you know like uh, where we are. But again, uh, this is something that you know requires uh, investments that requires you know focus, and you know like as we have done over the last several years, you know we are trying to find that right balance to continue to extract value from the existing. Um, systems and processes and products, but at the same time, we are looking to make investments and continue to grow that business beyond what it is just today.
1: And I think that that really points toward uh, an element of the strategy that's critical to understand. Um, that e commerce business and our stores um, is just a part of a larger ecosystem. When Loin speaks to the first party data, that's largely generated through um, email addresses that are provided to us in our stores um, and or being engaged in our loyalty program, where we have a collective between the two over 25 million um, uh, first party data contacts. Um, that you know and our the unlock there is jour- journeys specifically related to what they purchase, what they want, the sharing of information of birthdays or upcoming events so we can push out very relevant uh, communications and offers, the transition of guests between online and at-store, the opportunity to be a part of us for birthday parties and memory-making or or Girl Scout parties, all of that family kind of ecosystem Um, That's important not only to have a a brand like Build-A-Bear that's iconic status, but to be also noted as a highly trusted brand, which we are, is a really important piece of how we can build the business in other revenue streams because we have access to and the trust from our guests to say, hey. You might enjoy the Mary Mission film, or hey, do you want to watch the documentary? Or hey, do you want to honey girls? Is this, this, and this? So when we when we engage with our guests with this, and we also sort of part of this um proprietary research that we recently completed, um, the engagement across multiple uh touch points with us, whether it's entertainment or online or in the stores, that's a much higher value guess. This is not an unusual data point. That's true for a lot of branded companies. But the affinity that then is generated from that might be a little bit different from some other companies. Examples of the affinity um, is like for our Honey Girls line, which we we launched that line multiple years ago, 2015, 2016, and created a relationship, and then launched the movie in 2021, um, and now that's been available on Netflix. The data shows that when someone engages with the film, their likelihood of you know being more engaged with the brand goes up significantly, and I think we've shared um, in the we've shared with you, but also in this in the past. When we got here, our dollars per transaction were around $35.50, right? Now our dollars per transaction are over $50. And Absolutely. with, but when they're engaged with one of these properties, like Honey Girls, the dollars per transaction jumps up to $75 to $100 per transaction. That's the importance of creating that uh, entertainment relationship. And that's why we believe the creation of a total ecosystem of the place and the experience that so the place introduces you to another brand, another experience, another category, another reason. And that other reason, once encourages you to go back to the store and experience it again. So it's a complete circle of value with the consumer in the middle.
0: No, I absolutely love that. So you've got growth from stores, you've got growth from online, you've got the entertainment business, and that's driven by your brands and third-party brands. Maybe you can touch on your guidance and what gives you confidence that you can maintain your margins going forward. I know gross margin was 40% just a few years ago. Now it's 53%. Can you please let us know why that's sustainable?
2: Sure, and again, you know, ties back to what we talked about earlier, you know, like it just this sustained uh, focus and continuous improvement. And, you know, like when we also... Mentioned maybe at one of the conferences a few months ago that even this year, we would expect everything else being equal to see additional margin expansion due to the fact that we are going to see benefit from lower freight costs compared to the prior year. So, when you look at last year margins that we were able to achieve, that reflects significantly higher freight costs. And we said that's to a tune of 100 basis points. You know, this is one of those areas, margins that, you know, since we started here, that was tremendous. Uh, focus uh, on on this particular uh, line item and across the board sourcing initiatives uh, costing initiatives working with our factories working on transportation working on the promotional cadence we are focusing on every link within supply chain that we can manage and optimize and maximize and we believe you know there is more room i'm not saying like it's going to be like what we have been able to achieve Uh, thousands of of, of, uh, basis points, but definitely, you know, like our goal is every year to be better and to continue to expand our merch margins. And, you know, that's reflected in the guidance that we have shared uh, this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, again, part of that 10 to 15% pre-tax growth contribution uh, on a full year basis.
1: I think too, one of the things that we're very proud of as a executive team um, is that not only have we, you know, guided this organization through a lot of change um, and through some of the difficult times, but we've, as I noted before, we've evolved to be prepared for an entirely new future state that's reflective of the way the guests and the consumer and the world is changing, but also the way our brand has been changing. But all through all of that, whether that's a retail evolution of footprint and strategy, the acceleration of the the digital transformation, the creation of entertainment and content, and the recognition of that as a a power, as a tool for us that creates power and relationships beyond that one-to-one relationship that we create every day inside of our stores, is the ability to simultaneously return value to shareholders. Um, and, you know, you see that in our stock price appreciation, uh, but also in se- the, the the form of special dividends and um, and buybacks, yeah. if you'd like to expand on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been very uh, generous in returning some of the money to our shareholders over the last couple of years. As of the time we filed our most recent queue, mm-hmm. it's over $80 million that we have returned over less than two years. And again, as share mentioned, a couple special dividends and, you know, we bought uh, almost over like 10% of our uh, outstanding shares back during that same time frame. So we've been really active on that front, but, you know, at the same time as we continue to generate free cash flow, um, you know, like, and we are continuing to make investments in business because, again, having these results and thinking about the future and the growth, we gotta continue to reinvest. And you know, if it's opening stores or looking at some of these different initiatives to help us really elevate the whole brand in different channels, because even some of the things that Sharon talked about, making these investments, you know, in entertainment in store. Uh, she talked about a product and like Honey Girls movie that we had last year. When you think about that story, we are selling over $100 in dollars per transaction, and people are engaging with that story. Mm-hmm. And what that really means, because, you know, kind of like I'm also t- trying to connect it back to the question also on the margin that you asked earlier. We did raise some prices and did some things over the last several years to really uh, offset some of the inflationary pressures. But people are coming and still spending that $35 to $50 uh, total dollar per transaction spend. It's both higher prices and also higher units per transaction. So people are coming more and buying more at a higher prices. In addition to that, we are still accessible for many people. And we have pay your age program or contour candles that started the pay your age day in 2018. And so people that are celebrating their second birthday can come and buy that special bear for $2 and you know, that's our biggest acquisition tool. So it's really important for us to continue to fund that first party data and to build our bonus club program. And at the same time, tell these comprehensive stories that are gonna continue to elevate the brand, continue to generate free cash flow, And you know, then we can find ways to return some of that money back to shareholders and then also to reinvest back in the business.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And having the people come in, I think, is next level genius and giving them the price of the bear based on their age. So they come in the first time. And then, of course, on the back end, it's going to plus their friends and family and birthday parties. It's it's absolutely genius. So, um, And that also leads to a massive asset that you have, which are just names and emails of customers and, and loyal enthusiasts, not just customers, people that just love the brand, super fans, and so on and so forth. Um, you've generated a significant amount of free cash flow uh, last year, should that continue going forward, and what do you do with your free cash flow?
2: I, I mean, you know, like we touched on some of that last year. We uh, generated nearly fifty million in free cash flow. We haven't provided specific uh, number around that metric, but we also shared that we expect our pre tax income to go to grow uh, ten to fifteen percent versus prior year. Our tax rate to be about twenty five percent uh so people can back you know we also guided that our capex is going to be about 15 to 20 million so again looking at all that stuff it should be similar level a little bit higher uh compared to prior year uh, uh, and so definitely as we think about that stuff you know the first it's investing back in the business and continue to like um return money to the shareholders and you know like finding the balance between the two because we believe there are many more growth opportunities for us, and you know there is a different horizon on some of those. But definitely, as we mentioned about the store count expansion, opening twenty to thirty new locations does require some capital investments. We are making investments to upgrade our POS systems. You know, continue to make investments in our digital uh, transformation, uh, and at the same time, we've been active in uh, repurchasing shares. And I think this year we spend almost fourteen million dollars. In share repurchases,
1: with a um, meaningful percentage um, of buyback of our total share count. Yeah,
2: over the last eighteen months yeah. or so, yes.
1: And um, uh, I, I also believe that um, that what you mentioned, Adam, of of like the, the diversification of the brand, the access to this first party data. Uh, the fact that we're building out like this, you know, ecosystem where we can move people from, you know, entertainment to online to in-store. And then the recognition that we're actually now from Horizon perspective, we're participating in big, robust categories, not just toys and not just mall retail and not just kids. It's, toys, gifting, collectibles, affinities, entertainment, entertainment um, malls, tourist locations, e-commerce, you know, gaming with our Roblox game where we launched last year, nine, 9.5 million players already, um, as well as um, adults, teens and tweens representing 40% of our sales. Uh, and for many, many different occasions than there had been in the past. Uh, and that is uh, not to mention the opportunity for us in international. So we're not participating, for example, right now in continental Europe. There's not a bill to bear in continental Europe to give you an example of where we think the potential there could lie. Um, that's a very typical place, of course, to go for a US company. We are in the UK and Ireland, Canada, but um, but we have significant runway Um, for uh, exploration, as well as expansion uh, into other countries at this point. Uh, Maxine Clark, our founder, used to say, a teddy bear hug is understood in every language. And thus far, we believe that to be true.
0: She's so right. And also, Sharon, um, separately in your book, I know you have experience, which is, by the way, phenomenal, and I strongly recommend it. I've got notes all over the place. But I know (laughs) reading the book that you have experienced living in continental Europe in Paris, I believe with Mattel. Is I that did. correct? So that yeah, correct. I'm sure with that's going to be a, a layup for you when you decide to go into Europe and and expand. Nothing in,
1: in Paris, Paris is a layup, but continental Europe, right? So he grew up in, in Montenegro and I actually also went to school in Belgium and then did live in, um, in Paris for a that, year working with the Disney business unit, which was a terrific experience.
0: Well, yeah, that was going to also bring Voyn and say that the European background. There should be a, a one-two punch for both of you. It Should be a a, a a no-brainer, so to speak, from a intellectual standpoint. The practical standpoint, whole different story. But I love, <laughs> yeah. I love the potential. You
1: got to have good partners. Yeah. That's the key. For sure.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so that's a, a tremendous amount of um, of coverage. Let's talk about shift gears for a second. Talk about the macro. Can you please remind us and remind the audience about the toy industry? Um, and how it performs during times of economic uncertainty, please.
1: Yeah, so it it that's a long history and it tends to be um comparatively robust, um, which you have would see if you looked back even through COVID, the COVID times the toy industry outperformed, plush actually outperformed and games outperformed. Um, and um it's you know, I think that it's linked to uh, just the the need for comfort and joy and experience and together time it makes a lot of sense um so that's that's an area that has you know it does have its ups and downs but it tends to perform well comparatively in in economic downturn um people also uh tend to um not choose their children as the first uh budget cut (laughs) right (laughs) all of us have kids here so i we all get that uh and and that's you know you just want to be able to do something special even if you can't say go to the big theme park which now we're at a whole lot of those but you know in many ways going to build a bear is like is that, the, like, you know, it could be a super special experience for them where you just had to get in the car and and, and drive down the road a little bit and they're just as happy <laughs> for that one day. Yeah.
2: But just to add to that piece, when you think even about our businesses, some of these challenges, like when you think about one third of our businesses is related to birthdays. And guess what? People are going to celebrate their birthdays with their kids every year.
1: Yeah, That, and, that does not get pushed uh, off during during uh-huh. an economic downturn. Let's just not celebrate your birthday. We'll celebrate three year. months later.
0: That um, doesn't work. We'll, don't worry. Yes, we'll- seriously.
2: And, you know, same <laughs> thing around the graduations and holidays. So, you know, there are some of those things, you know, that, you know, there is a business to be had every year, but, you know, definitely, you know, we tend to stay focused on things that are within our control and really driving on those to mitigate some of these challenges because every year there is something that's gonna come up that surprises you, but you know, we gotta stay focused on things that we can control. And we have done a pretty good job managing some of those things uh, through COVID and through Brexit and all these different retail apocalypse things that we have dealt over the last yeah. decade or so.
1: I, I think that it's an important note too here. It's a, certainly a intertwined with some of this discussion. Voyne mentioned that we renegotiated all of our leases. One of the reasons we were able to, to go into those lease negotiations with a position of strength was we have data uh that that implies, you know, 60, 70% of the sales of in our stores, those are planned excursions. This is a situation where, you know, clearly, if it's a birthday, that's on a specific day. They know what their kid wants to do. We're doing this, or there's a you know, Girl Scout party or an event or an experience or something going on in this kid's life or an adult's life where Build-A-Bear is on the list. This is not a situation where uh, families are all getting in the minivan and just driving to the mall and they stumble into a Build-A-Bear.
0: Right. This is a
1: situation where they're getting into the minivan and driving to Build-A-Bear.
0: 100%.
1: And they end up in the mall. In the
0: mall. Right. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I love what you're saying too. It's people aren't going to stop saying I love you during economic downturns, more or less. So, okay, that's fantastic. So this year looks very good. Earlier, you mentioned your Merry Mission movies coming out later this year. Is the movie part of your entertainment strategy? Can you speak a little bit more to that? I know, Reese, you've got some deals going on and just expand on that, please.
1: Yeah, so the roster that's pipelining right now is we have a documentary that will be out later this year. Um, the The goal is October. Looking good um, with um, an award winning documentarian Taylor Morden. It's called Unstuffed, uh, so really cute. A Build a Bear tale. Um, so um, it's really the the uh, the story of some yeah, the ups and downs, the goods, the bads of the first twenty five years of Build a Bear. It's incredibly entertaining, if I might say so, and star-studded, star-packed, uh, because everybody loves Bilbo Bear. So that's coming. A lot of fun. Um, you know, more for an older audience, like documentaries are, but completely, of course, as it would be um, appropriate for a kid to watch, and really, really a fun, a fun journey. Um, the second is the Merry Mission film. It's Glisten and the Merry Mission. Glisten is a magical um, snow deer that has been in our line since uh, 2015, um, and she often is our number one, if not almost always, actually our number one selling item at the holidays. Um, and this, the the crux of the story um, from the beginning, which we launched through our stores as uh, as a goal to create a destination and a reason to come to build a bear before Christmas, not just get those incredible gift cards, which we sell a ridiculous amount of gift cards. And as an aside, that week after Christmas is one of our biggest weeks because everybody comes in with their gift cards and nobody brings back their, their teddy bears. So right. our, our returns are don't exist, Right. So, which is wonderful. Um, yeah. But they do come in with gift cards. But we wanted people to come in and make, make build bear part of the tradition, and it worked. And Thanks. so you get the reindeer and all these characters, and the the dilemma uh, that they're trying to solve, and they have to solve and save Christmas, is that the nice list is too long. Um, so uh, Glisten helps helps them with this. And of course, teddy bears um, also help them with this problem. It's really, really cute. It stars um chevy chase is santa billy ray cyrus is in it deon warwick sings a song for us um julia michaels who's a, a, amazing is, a, is starring in it as well um it's just uh, really another star studded packed you know just really fun and it's because they love bill the bear and they love the story the story is really a story about what we call bear leaving um oh. but uh, the uh, the pipeline does include um, a, a film that's a reimagination of Goldilocks and the Three Bears with um, Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's company, as well as a, a number of different things, from live action to animation that's coming and very, very exciting.
0: I love it. So you've got books, you've got games, you've got movies if I understand correctly, and all of that is just going to continue to grow earnings and revenue going forward as new profit centers for the company. Is that
1: correct? And we did also just announce a a, a very robust deal with Macmillan Publishing, very exciting as well for books. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, But in, in some cases, these are about the marketing of the intellectual property, the access to the creation of a relationship more than them being revenue-generating upon themselves. Um, but you know that's always a tremendous possibility. But we, we logicked our way into this strategy based on a lot of best-in-class companies. We certainly didn't make up the idea of mashing up toys and entertainment, as I alluded to earlier, and that that could lead to significant success. Um, but, um, we rationalize our way into this being prudent with the, with, you know, our funds, um, as, as if it is a meaningful decision strategically, uh, even if all it was, was a marketing, uh, a marketing tool.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's genius. And you said the engagement too, the dollar spent per audience Absolutely. is just through the roof. Okay. I love it. So maybe to finish anything you want to say about your long-term vision?
1: You want to start going?
2: I mean, you know, just, and like we are excited about the strategy and vision that we set up or Sharon uh, set up many years ago. And, you know, we continue to execute on that. And all these pieces are just part of that vision. We believe this company uh, should be much bigger than it currently is. Uh, That's part of the reason we came from all these multi-billion dollar organization to uh, help on this journey. We are excited about future. You know, definitely, it's much easier to talk about the future and making these investments when we have healthy um, uh, and solid balance sheet and being able to make the investments. We are definitely in a different situation than we were uh, when we started, and you know, so we are happy to continue to make these investments, to continue to execute and all these things. And, you know, so more to come, you know, like we haven't provided more guidance beyond uh, this fiscal year, but we definitely think there is more to come uh, and more for us to share um, in the future.
1: Absolutely. And um, in so many ways, we are just now, because of a lot of external um, unforeseen uh, shifts, gotten to the crux of the vision, which is really well-run vertical retail, which we already knew we could do, um, throws off a lot of cash, right? Right. And you have to have a plan on what you're going to do with that cash that generates more opportunity and expansion, right? And we had built that whole infrastructure and opportunity and pressure tested all of that while we were cleaning up the retail side and evolving the retail footprint so now we're at that place with our free cash flow is at a in a in a robust place where we can start to lean into these bigger categories bigger opportunities and make key investments that are more future focused we still believe we're at the beginning of this process right and i don't mean the beginning of the turnaround. We're on solid ground now. This is an opportunity for us to think about the future in a different way. We have a fabulous team, a new infrastructure, a proven strategy that has also been pressure tested when we did all this research. Um, that was one of the, the key findings that we were interested in, really wanted to know, both for ourselves and the sake of the board and the investors, Is is this the right move? And that data was yes.
0: No, I absolutely love it. Hats off to both of you. Phenomenal job to the entire team at Build-A-Bear. The stock, in my humble opinion, is extremely undervalued. It sounds like you're at the beginning of that J-curve where you've got, it almost reminds me of Amazon, how Amazon had retail and then they announced AWS, the web services, and then over time, AWS eclipsed the retail business. From a profitable standpoint, revenue. So it sounds like this is a tremendous, I mean, massive growth going forward. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. And everybody, the stock is uh, the tickers BBW, the company's build-a-bear. And the best way for them to get in touch with you, if anybody has any questions, do they visit the website or how should on final note.
2: Yeah, visit the website and like if there are some questions, please. Our emails, you know, like are available. And you know, please yeah. send us a note. We would love to hear from investors and yeah. our guests and
1: click on the IR yes. section. Yeah.
2: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much. We appreciate it.
0: Absolutely a pleasure.